0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV
1: podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Wow. Um, Welcome to Paula Theatre. This is our season finale of our Script to Screen season, season three. Script to Screen examines the story from the perspective of writers, directors, actors, and producers. And today we're, we're proud to have a director and producer with us. Um, I need a special thanks to, uh, about nine months ago, Elizabeth Gabler, who's the president of Fox 2000, came here uh, to talk to the students on our special class called 54. Um, she's on our advisory board for the Carthage wolf Center. She's awesome. And one of my students, Deanna, went up to her talked about how much she loved this movie and how great it would be to show it here. So Elizabeth, without any fanfare, says it's going to happen and gave us this movie, which we're so grateful for. Um, also, if you notice, these people behind the students, behind the cameras, the theater students produce and direct this show and this event, so they're the ones that make this really happen. Uh, some of them are leaving us for graduation, so I just want to give them a special thank you. Um, we can't run the theater without them. We can't. I couldn't survive without them and definitely this last week's been trying. They are amazing students and all the UCSB students are amazing. So you make this a great place to be. Um. So on behalf of the Polytheater students and the UCSB students, we welcome the director, Josh Boone, of Fault on Our Stars and executive producer, Isaac Klausner, to the Polytheater stage. Thanks so much. So a few tears, <laughs> uh, lots of laughs though, which is a tribute to the, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that we we're the
2: season finale.
1: We were, you we're the season finale. <laughs> this is our last event really of the year because the academic year ends. Mm-hmm. So we kind of we're so glad we went out with this movie. You can tell the students are really excited. Um, so let's go back a little. Um, so you both read the book. What was what was what was your biggest fear when you're like, oh my God, we gotta make this movie?
0: Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I think there were, there were a few, I mean, but the biggest one was really the book when, when we first read it was so moving and powerful to us that you know, we just really didn't want to mess it up. You know, we wanted to do it justice. It felt so authentic and emotional and had such a great balance of, of uh, deeply felt... Pain, but also real life-affirming humor and 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 love. That just to kind of manage that balance, and do the book justice, was really the thing that we were terrified of messing up. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was the same for you, Josh?
2: Um. I mean, you asked if there was anything we had been like worried about. I mean, I mean, I would say the like the heightened language. I was worried about at first, but then once we once they started doing those lines, like it all worked. But yeah, the language in the book, I was a little worried about. Yeah. Um, we met a lot of kids who live with cancer and their families and meeting them was really validating because they were so much like the characters in the book and talked so much like them and were philosophical and funny and cynical and, I don't, I don't know, they you know, validated everything and made it feel like you could really have kids like that who talk that way. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. There's a tendency to do melodramas when they deal with kids with cancer, but it's interesting, it's not the truth. These kids no. are stronger and they don't dwell on that part. You know, it's just a... <laughs> Uh, so the theme is about last love in a lot of ways they both know this is the end so was that something that interested you when you first read the book this kind of
2: yeah definitely I mean uh, you know I liked the love story a lot which I thought was great when we when I pitched it to to this gentleman and uh, to Fox we pitched it as a T- titanic and cancer was the iceberg like you'd hit it eventually but <laughs> that couldn't be what the movie was about it needed to be about the love story on the boat so that was i don't know that was that was so i did i love the love story uh i had a uh, very close friend die of cancer right before i made my first movie and i was in the hospice with him so i thought about him an awful lot like when i read it for the first time and when we made the film uh so yeah, it was, it was a personal thing, I guess that aspect of it.
1: Did it help you connect to the material a little, knowing...
2: Well, I mean, I read the book when I was making my first movie, not for any reason other oh. than just to read it. I had read Looking for Alaska a couple of years before. I didn't know anything about Nerdfighters or <laughs> any... I didn't know anything about his, his online following at all. I just did like the book. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, yeah really powerful and moving and helped me through a difficult time.
1: Um, one of the things is interesting, and this is all, I'll be curious from both perspectives perspective. The um, the movie has great hope, comedy, and great pain. Did you ever have to think about when you're making the movie, like how are we going to shape that so it doesn't the balance doesn't shift a little yeah. one way or the other? I remember us sitting in my hotel room and making like when everybody cried in the movie, like yeah. the
2: characters did, just to be like, is there too much crying? Like, what are we? <laughs> yeah, we so Yeah, we
0: mapped out when. Each char- when all the characters cry yeah. and when when if we were seeing the movie we thought we might cry and, yeah, right. and then when, you know, and how that was balanced with the laughs and you know, and, and that continued but that was through screenwriting and, you know, also in trying to I mean like kind of restrain some of the performance and moments yeah. to, over the course of shooting certain scenes where we felt like we needed to hold back and then through into editing of just really figuring out a calibrate calibrating everything exactly. properly. Yeah. So that, that was a, a, a real challenge throughout yeah. But you know To figure out You know how At the saddest moments You have a moment to laugh Through some of that You know Laugh through the tears
1: Yeah uh, One of my favorite lines and most painful lines for me Was Hazel saying She's a grenade Yeah uh, So what were your challenges With Hazel What were you thinking about Alright how am I going to portray Hazel on the screen I mean,
2: I was really worried about it until Shailene auditioned and then I wasn't worried anymore. <laughs> it wasn't uh, cause we, mean, we auditioned probably 200 girls and I knew that she wanted to do the movie. She had written Wick, she had written John and I was like, no way. <laughs> uh, cause she's very athletic and tall and strong and uh, Older than the character is, so I just wasn't—I wasn't convinced. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we went to uh, Chicago when she was shooting Divergent to meet her, and she was wonderful. I loved her, and uh, but I still didn't think she was Hazel. I had dinner with her the night before. And then I went the next morning, and she auditioned. She did the fake eulogy scene, and like it was, it was over. Like it was done. Like within a couple minutes. So yeah, it was. It was once we had her, I didn't worry at all about that. Uh,
1: I let her worry about that. <laughs> so Isaac, what did you see when like when you first first dailies? You're looking at the dailies. You're seeing what did you see? Kind of with Hazel.
0: Um, you know, I mean, one thing that had been a real, you know, kind of. Question for us and a, and a challenge, and this is a little bit more superficial. But there aren't a lot of love stories where your female lead doesn't really wear makeup and has wears a cannula and in an oxygen tank. And you know, we knew, and you know, Fox was amazing about really being behind that and saying, you know what, we need to be authentic the way this book is authentic. And but there was still a like, you know, how, <laughs> you know, are you gonna, you is this is this gonna look romantic? Are you gonna, and and then just seeing Shailene like that and just how. You know, like, just how beautiful, like, she has such a, like, her, her soul is just kind of, just comes through her eyes and through everything she says and the way she interacts with her parents and the world, you know, and that, seeing that, we were just like, okay, this, this, this
1: could work.
2: No. And the cannula sort of, we found that it sort of disappeared really yeah, think you about
1: Yeah, you just, you're mean, just not even the-
0: paying attention to it.
1: Yeah, so I was feeling that when I was watching the movie. I was like, I, know, I totally forgot about it. Yeah. Until he, the end, Frank scene, which we'll talk yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, so, right, so same question about Augustus. I mean, uh, Ansel, what did you what did you see? Because you and know, I talked a little green room about how yeah. you were, he was a difficult character.
2: Really difficult role to cast. Uh, you need somebody who can be aloof and funny and sweet and romantic and kind of go through all these different... I mean, he's such a strange character. He's like, he's so charismatic, and he's so sort of pretentious, but funny, and yeah, and then, but he's so sincere, and... Uh, and An- so, so confident. So confident. Ansel was the guy who came in that uh, made Shay react differently than a lot of the other guys huh? who would come in. You get a different, much different reaction from her, and he towered over her and made her feel smaller and more vulnerable, which I think was a tremendous help visually,
1: so... And you needed somebody to throw Hazel off because she was so yeah. strong and, like, this is the way it's going to be in my she's life. She's a
2: very – I mean, if I was in it, she's a very intimidating actress just because she's so good. <laughs> so uh, when you go into an audition room with her, I mean, she worked them
0: – Yeah. they She ran
2: circles around a lot of these people. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he kept her on her toes and kept her uh, – doing surprising things and interesting things
1: yeah. yeah I love I love Gus's confidence but he's a generally nice guy because it could have been the, you know the, the sarcastic jerk and my favorite scene one of my favorites was with him and Isaac with the trophies yeah you can break my trophy because I didn't want to do it yeah. how would that do you worry about how was that going to play because it's very dramatic because he is asking him to destroy
2: something Nat and I were really worried about that scene for him I mean I knew that was the scene we were the most worried about just because it's so chaotic and there's dialogue that's happening at the same time and how much is too much and uh it all kind of took care of itself, just as we shot it just stopped being worrisome. You just kind of wind that up and let him go
0: <laughs> but no, it, it is you know such a such a revealing scene about Gus in terms of the way he thinks about how, how much his focuses on other people mm. and you know, and that was something that I think really had come through in the book there's a line i don 't remember it exactly, but where Hazel is describing her feelings about a monologue Gus is giving and how it ends with talking about someone else rather than himself mm. and you know, and so having him in that scene, just the the constant gifts of he knows what Isaac needs and is able to just let him go. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was, that was I It was one of my favorite scenes of the book. And uh, one of the scripts I got to read the script Scott, the screenwriter Sent us a script beforehand Really sweet Yeah, he said it was one of my favorite scenes overall Alright, so obviously One of the questions my students Were asking a lot about Is the cute meat scene I mean, this is Me cute? Meat cute, sorry <laughs> yeah, The bone uh, So how do you approach that? Because that is a pivotal scene I mean, you, you set up the romance There's not a lot of dialogue There's a lot of looks
2: um, I mean, you're oh, talking gonna... about You're talking about The staring contest The staring well, contest, yeah Yeah um, I mean, that was... We, I feel like we talked about that a lot. Even when I came into pitch, we talked about that. Uh, I talked a lot about the opening montage to Jerry Maguire because it has uh, humor and it moves very quickly, but it also has some sad moments and some emotional moments, and it kind of does it all. In uh, the meet-cute, I mean, we just went into this space and just rehearsed, and they, just, they actually did the bump in a rehearsal... Uh, like the first time maybe and we just stopped having them do it because we were worried it was going to be impossible to (laughs) recreate and then we ended up shooting it like 15 times trying to get the bump again. Uh, Yeah, and then the staring contest, I mean, that was a, uh, that was probably the scene we worked on the most in editing over the longest period of time. We came back to it many times, tested it, changed it again just to try to get the rhythm of it just right.
0: But we had really worked with them and and you had really worked with um, Shailene and Ansel about making sure that just, I mean, it's just two people looking at each other across the room, but making sure that really told a story, yeah. and yeah. that there was a there was a game, a challenge, and a sense of victory and loss, you know, and yeah. uh, you know that that all played out, and trying to get them through, you know, over the course of that journey um,
1: was uh, I mean, that, that was something I really yeah. worked with them on, in the, in the and then. you also have Isaac talking during, which is amazing. You're revealing, you're yeah. Yeah, actually revealing three characters in the same time yeah. with little dialogues. So that was why I think that was a difficult scene when I read it and I
2: was like oh. yeah I mean it didn't, it didn't feel difficult to shoot it It was more tricky once we were editing it just to get it right but, but yeah. the
1: extra takes yeah. helped
2: we had plenty so yeah we <laughs> could have done a lot of different staring contests
1: so is that something as a director when you when you when you know you have a difficult scene you go as many takes as humanly possible just because you know you're going to need a little room in the editing room
2: I mean it just depends on what it is and how much time you have in the day and how things are moving I mean sometimes you have more time and other times you don't and uh, I mean with something like the staring contest. You need so little for for the amount of footage that you shoot against. I would say. I mean, there's like lots of footage of them staring, but you only need seconds of it. Uh, so you just wait for those moments where you feel something, and then hopefully you have enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it was also just kind of weighing, you know, the scenes that felt like were the ones that we really, really had to get right, and yeah. because this is setting up. This, you know, this instant chemistry between these two who were going to embark on this epic love story, like really, really trying to get that right. So, I mean, that was a day that we, and especially because we were juggling um, Nat and also the whole support group yeah. and, uh, and Patrick and you know, Mike Brabiglia, like <laughs> trying to, and by the way, we just wanted to shoot as much of him yeah. as possible because every take he did something yeah. hilarious that made us think, is there any way we can also include this in the movie? Yeah. Um,
1: the Heart of Jesus. It was one of my favorite parts of the book. And he nailed it. I mean, that was just... Yeah, he did a great <laughs> job. We were lucky to get him.
2: He, uh, we saw a lot of people for that. We were even looking at local actors at some point And just like, yeah, he was the absolute right guy for that.
1: So we're going to move to Amsterdam. Uh, so as a producer, any concerns shooting in a far country? Were you like, oh my God, can we move to Detroit to save money? Or? Um,
0: no, we, no we, um, we knew we really wanted to go to Amsterdam. I mean, so much of the movie is interior... Um, you know, both Gus and Hazel are not in a place where they can move around a lot or do a ton of really mm-hmm. active stuff, and so you know. But their their love is big, and wanting to find a way to open up the movie, and so I, you know, I think for us and and for, for all of us for Fox, like it was never a question of we have to make that work, um, because it just gives so much beauty and scope, and is such an incredible quest to go on, um, and wanted to really be able to be outdoors in Amsterdam. The thing that was the the challenge that we faced, you know, um, you know, we, just the timing of when we were shooting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we were going to Amsterdam when it was a little bit rainy and gray yeah. and we, and and really cold. And, um, yeah. you know, and so it particularly... Every day we shot except the day we weren't shooting. Yeah. <laughs> so that day was beautiful. Um, so we just took a camera and ran and shot beautiful things around the city. Yes. Um, but, you know, in particular, we had uh, really had in our minds you know the way it is in the book of uh shooting the dinner scene uh-huh. out alongside a canal um mm. you know as a beautiful like you know a lit canal and, and yeah. that was just not i mean everyone was gonna get hypothermia like it was just not going to work <laughs> yeah, and it also was... wasn't gonna look as magical because yeah,
2: no. our production designer went out to uh, our wonderful production designer molly hughes went to amsterdam in advance of us and came back and like the streets were black holes at night, my D P looked at it and was like, There's it's gonna cost us so much money to light this canal. Like there was just no way.
0: Yeah, and you know, in talking knowing the spirit we wanted to, yeah. to create, Molly our production designer came to us and said, I have an idea, like I think we can do like an interior restaurant and you know, it wasn't I think what any of us had been thinking no. about when she showed us this plan of this okay, restaurant that was sunny we're like okay that's why you're amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why we're so lucky to be working and, with you and that was in uh, an empty
2: space above a bar in Pittsburgh that was just empty and she just dressed it and so like it and, yeah, completely
0: created Yeah,
2: yeah all the interior stuff in Amsterdam was shot in Pittsburgh and all the exterior <laughs> stuff was in Amsterdam so yeah. So mm-hmm. Van Houten's never been in Amsterdam, as far as I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there in a second. So one of the things, re- when I read the book, the Anne Frank scene, I'm like, Oh my God, how are they going to put this in the movie? Making out in Anne Frank's house. Uh, so, <laughs> but it really delivered it. It was amazing. So, how did you approach that scene? I just try. We just tried to
2: make it as much like how the book made us feel. Mm. I mean, really, for everything, it was can we. Set a tone in the film that will approximate what reading it felt like. Mm. You know, whether it's exactly what happened in the book or not, it's like, can it feel like the book felt? Yeah. So it was just trying to get that right. And I mean, that was a marriage of the score being right. Uh, the Bright Eyes guys did such a great job doing that. And uh, yeah, just all that coming together performance and music and cinematography and editing. And, and yeah.
0: Yeah, I think just kind of creating that sense of struggle of how much she. How much she faced and how much she had to overcome, and you just, you know, and 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 how, I mean, and this is all a credit to John Green in in having brought this pairing together. I mean, in in Anne Frank's diaries, like she's writing about kissing boys and she's writing no. about no. love and life, you know, and the fact that she was thinking about that at that age in the face of all of that to kind of have that mirroring was such a beautiful, mm-hmm. powerful thing. And uh, Scott and Mike, who wrote the script did a wonderful job of, of going through Anne Frank's diary and finding these passages oh, that really yeah. spoke to what Anne was thinking at the time and to kind of help us uh, help that mirror Hazel's, Hazel's journey. journey. Yeah. And that kind of is when it all started to gel together. Um, yeah,
2: And that was a lot of work in editing. That scene in particular as well, we did a lot of. Because it was like how... It can only take her so long to get up in a movie, but it's like the right. different variations on breathing and how fast she moved, so that was always a question we were asking ourselves when we were cutting.
1: That was actually one of the most painful scenes for me watching that heart yeah. Struggle, because the first time you really see her desperate to want to do something. You know, yeah. She got sick, but it was just... That hit home, I think. that was. Uh... So now we move to the sex scene. <laughs> 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 so that one, obviously, you, you need to pay off that scene because it's so sure. critical in the book. How did you approach that with your actors or? I mean,
2: we just wanted it to be as intimate and real and vulnerable and sweet and awkward as it could be and just be real. Uh, that was kind of our commitment when we went in that room to shoot. It was just for it to be as real as possible.
1: And how'd you feel when you saw the dailies or were you looking at it? It was, I mean, yeah, it was just
0: beautiful. Like both. I mean, and really seeing, you know, there are moments of Gus's vulnerability at different points Mm -hmm. for a character who's so confident, but I think that moment of seeing his fear on his face, like, his trepidation about his love. you know, and, and I think you know, every, everyone feels like they don't, you know, they're kind of imperfect in a way. And for a guy who's so unbelievably effusive and charming, to have that moment of vulnerability in the way, you know, the the performance you you evoked and captured in him was just like, you know, just a kind of. Beautiful and heartbreaking
2: yeah, and I mean, you know it's like the the score during that scene was a happy accident that was mm. written for a different scene in the movie, mm-hmm. and we were cutting that, and we just put it in there uh, just to see, and we were like, oh, that's it, like that's the tone, like it needs to be sort of sad and haunting and yeah, just all those things develop organically just as you're working in the editing room. Um,
1: I assume we have some John Green fans in here. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. Uh, he has a very big persona with fans. Be honest. Oh yeah. Is he really like Peter Van Houten secretly? No, no, no. No. <laughs>
2: no. He's like John Green exactly on VC in his videos. I mean, that's who he is. Yeah. Uh, but I,
1: I, I leads into the so, Peter Van Houten question. He
2: said he did tell me. He said, "What did he say? He said Van Houten was who he imagined he would be, like without his family."
1: You know? Interesting. I mean, that's
2: he always said that. So the worst parts of his personality. Uh, Persona, I guess, yeah.
1: Magnified. In some ways, that's the biggest punch in the gut in the movie. Like we're building up meeting this guy in her dream, and in the book, I felt the same. It just he just shatters it. Yeah, he just takes a giant dump on them. <laughs> <laughs> and more than anything, of Beyond Cruel. So, how did you approach that with you know William Defoe and? Well, I was
2: just such a huge Defoe fan. I wanted him to destroy them. Like I, like I, 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 I mean, Last Temptation of Christ and Platoon uh, and Born in the Fourth of July are some of my favorite movies. So, like I grew mm. up like loving him, and I just was like go in there and just kill them,
1: <laughs> make Hazel cry. <laughs> so uh and what did you what did you see with Defoe during casting or you know? yeah, I mean we you know similarly we've just been a huge
0: huge fan and someone who can be so terrifying both their presence really their intellect and you know that was really i think a key part of it and but then also to realize you know that part of what you know what he was it was was also a you know a the thing hazel feared most of like you know her question throughout is you know what is this question of am I a grenade and what what might come of my mother, mm. and you know what he's really dealing with is he's what could come of her mother like he is the mm. the cautionary tale and so to also kind of root that in you know his his pain and have that come back around and Willem is just so versatile and and got that so thoroughly yeah. um, and then also I mean it was also just a killer scene to shoot because yeah. he for in in the scene in his house he just goes. I mean, he's giving several wordy, winding yeah. speeches.
2: Never missed a bead, never flubbed a line.
0: It <laughs> was everyone, I mean, like, Shailene, who is, you know, like, I, she she never had a false beat, and she no. came out, she was like, he's good. <laughs> like, he was just blown away. And he's we not,
2: old... he's like the loveliest person, like, he's like the yeah. sweetest, kindest, like, not at all, like, platoon music, or uh...
0: so. No, he's really
2: sweet platoon. and platoon. Yeah,
1: I love him. I also, I
0: also love, the, well, I think my favorite moment is the night before he was shooting he'd come to town just to you know uh, just getting ready and to meet all of us Uh, you you had already sat with him the rest of us had just spoken to him and had done a costume fitting and so he shows up on set behind the camera wearing that outfit of like you know the suit jacket and the pajama pants that yeah. our, our costume designer Mary Claire Hannon had put together, and seeing that was like it was it was kind of a perfect.
2: Yeah, and Laura Dern, who had been traumatized by him in Wild at Heart, uh, still called All him right. still called him Bobby Peru, which he thought was which he thought was really funny. <laughs> so, and you know he was also helpful in uh, you know one of the scenes we struggled with a lot was the scene with. Van Houten and her in the car at the funeral, mm. and I mean that was he helped us too, even when I went to visit him in New York. Uh, there was still work being done on that scene, and he was helpful in bringing that to where I needed to get
1: yeah I know that 's one of the changes from the book yeah. uh, was that something you guys wrestled? How were you going to handle that because originally in the book yeah. he goes back and the letter and yeah I mean I,
2: when I came, the script was pretty much done, so I mean you know there were a little bit of changes after that, but yeah, that scene in particular yeah i don't know i don't know the Thought process behind the changes there at the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was... You know, a lot of it was a question of, you know, after that emotional impact of what, what has just happened, how much longer, you know, do, do you have before you need to wrap the movie up? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the book, kind of, Hazel ends up going almost more on a new quest. And we were trying to figure out how could we, you know... And, and really spoke to John about it as well, um, you know, about how can we just kind of bring that together so that you know there is one last great moment but it doesn't it doesn't extend um, into a, a larger search for this for this letter yeah. and 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 it was uh, our screenwriter Scott Mike that came up with this great solution of what you know of, of uh, Van Houten bringing it to her and then it was really mm-hmm. the scene that as Josh is talking about massaging was just kind of how exactly does he try to deliver yeah. this to her and what is he trying to say and how does he say it in a way, in a way that she's not going to read it? <laughs> right in <laughs> a way
2: that maybe if you don't know anything about it, like you're going to kind of like brush over her throwing the letter, like all that stuff was really tricky and like you know just pulling that
1: off and making that
2: work. Yeah, uh, we discussed a lot. So. Yeah. Uh,
1: we have two more scenes we'll open up the audience soon, so you guys come up with your awesome questions. Uh, so, but the gas station scene to me actually is the toughest scene in the movie because I like you took care of people with lung cancer yeah. and the idea of helplessness wanting to do one simple thing and I'm actually a cancer survivor too so I totally related to both ends of it yeah. how were you at uh, trying to capture that because that's really he's vulnerable the first time during the sex scene but totally devastatingly vulnerable in the gas station scene
2: yeah I mean, I mean that was once again like he and I had spoken about that uh, he had spoken to John about that we all knew what that needed to be and that was about kind of letting him go and Letting him go to really extreme places and bringing him back when he needed to bring him back, and just kind of letting him go for it. I mean, that really was just letting him go uh, yeah. for hours and just letting him do what he needed to do, and trying not to bother him too much because uh, they're in a very vulnerable place when they're that emotional. So, yeah. and I think
0: that was also, uh, you know. Uh our cinematographer Ben Richardson, no. you know, had a strong instinct, and you guys had discussed no. the idea of, of shooting that scene handheld and getting really, having it be a little bit messier. We no. um, originally
2: talked about it being like a handheld oneer, and yeah. then eventually we just shot it a bunch of times and we just cut it together. But that was the the idea was to make it feel like that, make it feel really immediate and uh, like it was happening in real time and all that.
1: Uh, you're going to get a slew of Oscar nominations, directors, cast. You're going to get it, writer. But the cinematographer, definitely. No, oh, yeah. it was a beautifully shot film. This well,
2: film. no, and I'll tell you a story about Ben Richardson. Like uh, when I went to Fox, I brought them a bunch of photographs that Ryan McGinley shot. who's like a New York City photographer who shoots young people in in beautiful ways. And uh, when I went to meet Ben, he brought me a Ryan McGinley book, and it was like, all right, I guess we're making the movie together. So yeah, he just he had the exact same tone, the exact same idea for what it needed to look like and feel like, so...
0: And, yeah, and for us, I think, you know, we'd, we'd seen Beasts of Southern Wild, mm-hmm. which he had shot, oh, yeah. and, yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's hadn't shot a ton of movies, mm-hmm. but in that film, which had so much pain and suffering, it, he managed to fill it with such incredible beauty mm-hmm. and, and vibrancy, and we knew that that was, you know, a, a big challenge in this film, and
1: mm-hmm. he immediately got it, and... Uh, you know, it was, really lucky to have them. No, yeah. That's interesting, because we have a lot of production students in the audience. It's interesting talking about, like, how do you find the right people to help you tell the story, whether it be cast or crew. I mean, it goes, there's so many different people involved.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, I mean, we had Mary Claire Hannon, who was our costume designer. I mean, she's worked with Tarantino. She did Into the Wild. I mean, when you have people that good who've worked on projects like that, and she's like, I want to put, a, like, a James Dean, Marlon Brando, like, jacket on on Ansel. You're like, go. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> like, that's, like you just let them run wild. I mean, it really is hiring the most talented people you can find whose work you respect, who you connect with and like letting them do their jobs. Uh, if you hire the right people, you don't have to do that much in the way of pushing people around or nudging them or anything. I, I think. I mean, what do you think?
0: Yeah. Well, I think one <laughs> thing is a, is an incredible credit to Josh, which there are many, like because he's insanely modest, but you know he's oh, so no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's he's so great at at identifying great talent and really giving them the space to shine and do their thing. And you know, uh, you know, so you know, I think it it really gave everyone a sense of of opportunity and ownership. And, and yeah. through that, I think everyone really stepped up and was constantly contributing. There was such an open dialogue yeah. on set, which was also fueled by, you know, we were working off of a source material that everyone felt really passionate about. Yeah. And so people really wanted to constantly go above and beyond. And, you know, like up until the moment of shooting, everyone was constantly, what else can I do that I haven't done that I can add to this? And, you know, and you just created the space for them to feel like they could, con- they could be doing that,
1: which was... I love you. <laughs> uh, nice. So the pre-funeral. Yeah. Uh, that was the most, one of the most surreal scenes for me in the book, because yeah. I've never heard of a pre-funeral. And it was, but it was beautiful, and it was funny. So something was the same thing. How did you prepare for that, or did you work with your actors on that one? Well, I mean,
2: that was the scene we auditioned every Hazel with. So, I mean, I had heard that scene, like, so many times. But, uh, <laughs> The first time I really felt emotional about it was at her audition, and then when we did it on set, uh, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I mean, we were kind of alone in the sanctuary, and they were all out, kind of in the place right behind the sanctuary with monitors and all that. And uh, I mean, you were you were out there at some point. They were all pretty
0: broken up. Yeah, I uh, mean, this, the the moment was so late
2: at night. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: it was it was intense. I mean, the the moment was definitely a high pressure scene to get right and we felt really confident that Shailene both in terms of talent she was but also as Josh is saying that we had seen her audition with Adam like do what you did in the audition with with no with with nothing just you know uh, her and her casting director Um, but um, it was actually for me the moment of watching it was one take where we just watched Ansel listen to the eulogy Mm. and just seeing his face reacting and we were all a complete wreck and you know also you know the moment where and this is probably the hardest thing for me while shooting where I like totally lost it this is a bit of a spoiler because I know people may be watching this who haven't uh, seen the movie but you know he closes his eyes and that you know and then we're not going to uh, get, get more more Gus and You're not going to see
2: him again no. you know
0: and, and that moment of seeing I was like that's, that's the shot I was like oh god you know that was really you know and everyone just totally just lost it um yeah. and we were hoping that they the actors couldn't hear us and we wouldn't mess with the
1: performance because it it's, like, a, it's a fascinating hear. death scene i mean the fact that we you know we don't see him die we see that moment yeah we know he's going to that's i think it's one of the reasons it grabbed people so emotionally yeah and i mean that
2: scene that next scene when she gets when the call comes at night and she cries in bed i mean that's a scene that was really early in the shoot and like everybody was downstairs crying around the monitors and John like wanted to go up and check on her because he was like worried about her and we were like she's okay <laughs> so yeah but she yeah, she brought it every day she's a fantastic
1: actress so uh well let's I've been having some fun so I'll let you guys have some fun So we have these lovely people pass out mics to you, so raise your hand.
0: Hi, um, Hi. I thought that Ryan McGinley was a very appropriate choice in terms Mm. of aesthetic inspiration. Um, And I was wondering what were some other sources of aesthetic inspiration for the
2: film? I'm a big uh, Cameron Crowe fan, so I mean we watched Jerry Maguire and Almost Famous and Say Anything and I talked about those movies a lot. The way they looked, John Hughes movies, we looked at aesthetically for how they looked where they're not super glossy, and uh, we didn't want something too stylized. It needed to be a little bit like that, but we also wanted it to look as naturalistic and real as possible. So, I mean, his, his photographs we looked at a lot. The color palette for the film was based on the color palette in a lot of his photographs. So we probably owe him money or something. But <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> don't say
0: that.
1: <laughs> we can edit that out. No, thanks. <laughs> um, hi, my
0: name's Nicole.
1: And you gave what to the director? Did you did cupcake. you put my face in the cupcake? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just wondering, like this may or may not just be my opinion, but how do you feel about perfectly adapting such a precious story
0: well, into I, a movie? I, that's really
2: sweet. I, but Scott and Mike adapted it. <laughs> I just shot what they wrote, and they just they wrote it really beautifully. And John's book was really beautiful. I was really lucky just to have like such good material. I was lucky to have such good material. So I just feel uh, blessed to have been a part of it. I told you he was humble.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, sincerely, <laughs>
2: sincerely, though. I mean, that is how
0: you feel. I mean, I think it's, yeah, just lucky. Yeah. I, was, I think it was also just having John so integrated in the process. Yeah. You know, we knew, he knew the ways, you know, in, in the, we, the small changes we might have to make, and we'd really spoken them through with him. And... You know, he was really our barometer. Like it was, we were trying to live up to his novel. And so if it are like, you know, like, you know, and, and, and in every case, like he, we got, we got good feedback from him, but mostly seeing him being supportive and saying that he liked things and watching him cry on set out of happiness yeah. was like, okay, I think we're on the right path.
2: Yeah. Like I still vividly remember bringing in my iPad and my editor had sent me the egging scene. And that was the first scene cut together that I was able to show John on set. And, uh, like, once he started laughing, I was like, oh, yeah, we're in. This is good. Like, he likes this. <laughs> and then he started to cry when the song comes on at the end. And I was like, oh, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, no, no. But he, he was just so happy that, like, it felt like that was a big wait that day. Once he had seen that and I showed him a couple more scenes, it just felt like he was really happy with
0: everything. So. Well, and that song is such a perfect, like, that like, was all Josh in terms of, you know, like, knowing to end a scene that is, like, that Funny and alive and and uh, you know I mean these kids be rebellious but end it with something so bittersweet and melancholy and beautiful um, and just well, kind of like walk that line
2: putting the uh, it was like putting the cue over the love scene it's over the love scene it was just like trying to go against what you would expect it to be I guess
1: time for one more so who gets the awesome last question oh yes I mean. better be awesome. <laughs> So,
2: Josh, I was wondering yes, what um, style of direction you give your actors while you're shooting your films. I just, like, be really good. Just, <laughs> I mean, just awesome. it's, it's weird. It depends. It's so different actor to actor. Uh, I mean, I have a very different relationship with Nat than I would with, you know, with Ansel or with Shea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked with Nat before, and I just am friends with him in real life. So I don't know. It's different depending on your relationship with them. You're kind of like a set psychiatrist, you just kind of run around and like everybody needs different things and you just have to kind of figure out as quickly as you can who needs what and when they need to be left alone and when they need a little nudging. And I don't know, like I said, so much of it is, is casting. If it's, you've hired the right people, you don't have to do as much, but uh, it's just adjusting and making sure that they're hitting all the marks that they need to hit in the script so you'll have what you need in the editing room.
1: So, well, we always end our show with the same question, so we'll give it to you guys. Uh, obviously, this is a very emotional movie theater experience for a lot of our students. There was a lot of tears. Can you tell us about something maybe as a childhood, a movie that really moved you when you went to the movies, like it's something very special? Whoa. It's <laughs> so, a heavy question.
0: Um, I mean, I cried all the time in movies growing up. <laughs> um, starting with, like, The Land Before Time. I, like, do <laughs> <I> remember that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I don't know. I just I I grew up like loving just feeling that like I don't cry a lot in my normal life. He's um, dead inside. So, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but some sometimes movies you know, movies can bring that out in me and I like I don't love going to movies to be scared. Like I'm not great at horror films, but I love just going and just feeling deeply and so um
2: yeah. I vividly remember seeing The NeverEnding Story in the theater when I was a kid which I loved and I, I definitely remember crying when the horse sunk into the sea of the, uh, swamp of sadness Are you going to make
0: me cry now? Yeah, yeah.
2: And then I remember I definitely remember seeing E.T. and, and that feeling that way too I uh, went with my best friend and I uh, who make, just made his first movie and we grew up together and uh, I remember squeezing each other's hands when the bikes took off So yeah
1: Well I want to thank Josh it cool. and Isaac Lager, thank you so much Thank you so much. Uh, this does end our third season, so please come back in October when we return. Season four. We season won't be four. back, but we'll watch. We have our sequels. <laughs> and go to the Michael Douglas lobby for a reception with some food and Skittles. <laughs> Thanks. Guys. Thank you guys for having us. Thank so much.
0: Thank oh you.